We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. And joining us right now on our premier Chevrolet Girls Bad Fan Hotline, former Major Leaguer, former Padre, now Astros broadcaster Jeff Blum back with us on Ben and Woods on 97.3 The Fan. Blummer, good morning. It's always good to have you on. It's always good to be on with you guys. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. You know, we were actually pretty close to a Padres-Astros World Series this year. would have been nice to have you at Petco Park. In hindsight, after seeing how the series went against the Phillies, do you think it would have been any different had the Padres been the opponent for the Astros in the World Series? Um, I th- That's a really good question. I think it would have been very interesting. You have a guy on the Padres who has experience of winning in the World Series in, uh, you know, in Juan Soto. So I think it would have been interesting to see if, if he could have conjured up any of that magic from 2019 when he was a Washington National. And then, of course, having Joe Musgrove come back and pitch in a ballpark that he grew up in would have been very interesting. I think the storylines would have been great. But at the same time, I think we found out that uh, the Astros pitching staff, no matter who they're facing, was going to be very good. But it would have just come down to which defense or which offense was going to be able to overcome that. And uh, we, you know, we saw the Astros be able to step up with the experience. But there is one person in this city that was actually cheering for that. Uh, having been uh, an ex-Padre and uh, current Astro broadcaster, I was certainly cheering for the opportunity to get back into Petco Park and say hi to some old friends. I bet, man, and it was—I mean, it was a—it was wild. The 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 playoff for us, you know, covering the team, and I was thinking about it driving in this morning, Blummer, and I miss that feeling—that that feeling of game day, and you're driving into work, and I'm sure it was the same for you, just you know, biting your chewing your fingernails off, just a, kind of a nervous wreck to see how it was all going to play out. Um, there's a sense of relief when it's over, and it's got to be even bigger relief when you actually win the chip, uh, which you guys did and certainly earned. And I, I was as hard on the Astros as anybody, but I've I've even softened over the years, kind of like, all right, it's it's over. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, you know, uh, at all. And and those guys went out and they earned it this year. And that pitching staff was an embarrassment of riches. I mean, it was like, oh, he's not getting the job done. Let's go to this guy. He had you had seven quality starters that teams would kill for. Yeah, and, and just real quick, it was great to see that the city of San Diego with the Padres in it, seeing them go out there and try and put a, a team out there that's going to go out there and compete. And I know it was it was probably pretty sweet to go out there and beat the Dodgers because I remember, like you said, having Petco Park packed for some of those, uh, you know, that uh, the postseason appearances we had against the St. Louis Cardinals and then some of the competition between the Dodgers and Padres, that's one of the maybe less talked about rivalries. It was a blast always to play in Petco in that environment. So I can only imagine what it was like in that championship series. So credit to the San Diego Padres and fans for getting out there and trying to encourage those guys. But at the same time, you know, sitting here in, in Houston and watching and trying to prognosticate, can they, can they repeat next year? 
you know, what pieces are they losing? What are they, what are they going to have to go out and get? And you sit back and like you said, it is an embarrassment of riches because they went out and signed Rafael Montero to bolster, continue to bolster their bullpen. And they have some unbelievable depth in their bullpen. They've got some big names like Brian Abreu who really kind of emerged onto the scene. They've got a closer in Ryan Presley that's going to be there for another year or two. But these guys have set themselves up to be successful for the next, again, amazingly, next two or three years with some of the guys they've signed. They've got Altuve. They've got Bregman. Uh, Jeremy Pena is a rookie and under club control for the next five years. So these guys are set up very nicely, even with the consideration that they possibly might lose Justin Verlander to somebody else. Yeah, there's no question. We're talking to our pal Jeff Blum here on uh, Ben and Woods this morning. And, you know, one of the guys, uh, the architects of that, James Click, uh, one-year deal, rejected it. He's going to be going on to, to, I can't say greener pastures. I guess I'd just say other pastures <laughs> because the pastures in Houston seemingly are very, very green right now. I, You know, I don't, I don't know how much you can talk about it or, or what you know, but uh, I did find it interesting. But it also seems to be kind of the Astros' way. Like, we always... We always laud the Patriots, right? Boy, they know when to they know when to let a guy go, right? And and mm-hmm. and being able to say we trust in Jeremy Pena, we're going to let Carlos Correa, who is an absolute spark plug, we're going to let him go, we're going to let him walk, and they were rewarded with a World Series. Do you get the same vibe with James Click, or was it just kind of a uh, you know difference of opinion? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. And uh, to be honest, I, I enjoy James Click. He was a wonderful conversation about baseball. Uh, did a good job with the analytics side. He also did a very good job of bringing back scouts to the organization. That was one thing Jeff Luno started to eliminate was the using of scouts. And I think James tried to really get eyes on guys to see if they matched up with some of the analytic numbers they were seeing in return. But he was also brought into a tough situation. Back yeah. in 2020 when the scandal broke, you know, Jay, Jim Crane was in a tough spot. He needed a manager. He needed a, a general manager immediately. And for, he got lucky with Dusty Baker being available at the time. So that's worked out incredibly well. But at the same time, it wasn't a panic move, but I think it was a very abrupt move to bring uh, James Click in. So you brought in the guy that looked good on paper and you had no idea about the personality. And I think eventually, you know, Jim Crane is a, is in a, is a very – is a very aggressive owner in the sense that he wants to win. He likes to have to be involved. And I think the idea of what Jim wanted to do as opposed to how James wanted to handle it is what created a little bit of uh, friction. And unfortunately they weren't able to work through that. Jim offered James a, a one-year deal. And I think James click understood that the writing was on the wall with a one-year deal that he could possibly be out at the end of it and didn't want to take it. Wanted a little more security. So you can't blame him in that sense. Sure. But also, it was just a really tough situation because you already had a team in place, like you said, and he really wasn't, he really didn't take advantage of any opportunities to really go out there and make a big splash, yet he won a World Series. Chatting with Astros broadcaster Jeff Blum here on Ben and Woods, and uh, you mentioned Dusty Baker. So I, is it cynical of me? I mean, I love Dusty, and I thought it was a great hire for the Astros at that time. They needed someone with a good image, a good reputation to stabilize things, but. I also thought at the time that that's that was kind of why they brought Dusty in. It wasn't necessarily because they thought he was going to be the best chance to win the World Series. They needed the right guy, though. He turned out to be both of those guys, though, at the same time. Did that surprise anybody? Um, I don't know if it surprised anybody because we we because like you just said, you know, when he came in in 2020, he came in because of 
because of his reputation as a player, because of his reputation as a manager, just being a good manager. But at the same time, there hasn't been – I don't think there's been anybody in the history of the game that's known Dusty Baker that has gotten mad at him. You know, you can, you can question what he does on the field as far as uh, player personnel moves and things like that, but you're never going to get mad at Dusty Baker. He's, he's a masterful in front of the media, tells a great story, is beloved in, within the game between both management, players, and media. So he, his, his initial purpose was to deflect a lot of negative attention from this ball club. And I think he did that over the last two or three years. And what that kind of progressed and turned into or evolved into was this great paternal figure that created a lot of trust in that clubhouse between player and manager. And I think as soon as Dusty understood that he got past all of the controversy and understood that he had a really, really good team here, he figured out how to maneuver this ball club and put them in great positions. And he did a great job in the postseason with some of the moves he made and developed a lot of trust with these guys and where he convinced them to go out there and play hard enough to get him that first World Series championship. But you're right in the sense that it kind of it, it kind of morphed into we need we need a we need a front man that can kind of deflect some of the negativity that turned into a pretty good manager with this ball club. He was a nice fit. Yeah, he really was, man. And and yeah, he was one of the guys I was obviously most happy uh, to see win it. Talking to Jeff Blum here on Ben and Woods this morning, and uh, so Blummer, the the game as you know it has changed, right? Since you played, uh, different rules mm-hmm. and 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 certainly, and it's going to change again. <laughs> you know, you as a broadcaster, <laughs> we as as morning show hosts and avid avid fans, we're all going to have to get you some. You know, the the bigger base thing doesn't do a lot for me. Great if it works, it works fine. The elimination of the shift, though, I I I look at that and I think about certain players that jump into my head and. Think about all those 120-mile-an-hour ground balls Juan Soto hit into the shift in the playoffs, and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe uh, maybe there's a little something here. What are your kind of thoughts on that? I mean, you were, you were an infielder too, right? So you, you, you've got to have some thoughts on this stuff. No, I definitely do. The shift is a big one for me. I know the pitch clock is just going to be a little more entertaining in the sense that guys are going to be running to the plate. Pitchers are going to be working crazy fast. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's going to create some serious antics, uh, I, I think, and put a lot of pressure on the umpires. But I'm with you because the shift has always been fascinating to me. And, you know, it didn't really start to happen until I was out of baseball where they started these drastic shifts where you put in, you know, four outfielders or three guys on one side of the infield. And now you you take that away from them. So a lot of these analytic departments are going to have to work a little bit harder to try and figure out how to work within the new rules. But I do think it definitely benefits the left-handed hitters, like a guy, especially a guy like Juan Soto, who you know can pull a ball at 120 miles an hour, like you're talking about, not see the reward because there's a rover playing shallow right field. And left-handed hitters are the ones that uh, will benefit the most from this shift situation because. If you're a right-handed hitter, you can't put your shortstop in left center or left field because it's such a far throw. Or left-handed hitter, you can put that second baseman in right field because they can actually make that throw in time to get the runner at first base. So keeping everybody on the infield, keeping two guys on each side of the field is going to definitely open up some holes. And I think Juan Soto is a better better talking point for me than a guy like Joey Gallo or, you know, some of these other monster left-handed hitters because – Juan Soto is a high-contact guy. You know, these, these rules aren't creating contact. So the guys like Juan Soto who have great at-bats, put together contact, those are the guys that are going to benefit. So I think Juan Soto, you haven't seen the best of him yet. You may see the best next year in San Diego. Ooh, good stuff. Talk, talking to Blummer now.
Uh, while you were talking, Jeff, Woods asked me to ask a question. I don't know why. He's sitting right there, but I guess he feels like he's asked too many questions already yes. and then fed me a question to ask you. Yes. Normally, I would kind of bristle at that, but it was actually a decent question. So from Woods through me. My conduit. Yeah. Um, so one nice thing, disclaimer. One, one thing that the Padres, I think, could do a better job of is developing their own players from the minor leagues into big league stars. The Astros seemingly have had a lot of success, whether it be international signings. AJ's you know, made a splash with international signings, but haven't necessarily seen those guys graduate to the big leagues. He's traded some of them for good pieces. What is it that the Astros do so well that has turned these guys into stars on the big league level? It's a brilliant question, by the way. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I was say I don't know why he was so scared to ask this question, man. That was a good question. Yeah, I think you should have just you should have totally just rebuffed him and said, "No, I'm going to make this mine." <laughs> but it's it's a really good question, and it's one of the things that I've actually had a lot of fun sitting here and watching in this organization because I came in in 2013 when they were losing 111 games. But uh, you know, Ozzo Campo is probably the he is the architect of what they've done internationally. He is now with the Miami Marlins as an assistant GM, but he was a guy that would go out to, you know, he would literally travel the world and, you know, he would scout these guys with his eyeballs. He would do the background on them, seeing, you know, what their moms and dads did, where this athleticism came from. But I think what he did the best was we hear a lot about international guys signing at the age of 15, 16, 17 years old, and you're trying to pluck these guys early what Ozzo Campo did was kind of hang on a little bit and see some of these guys who were 18, 19, 20, and saw if they were maybe late bloomers or developed a little bit later than some of these other guys and took a chance on them and obviously did for an affordable price. Um, you know, there's Jose Urquidy was probably the, the most expensive international sign out of Mexico, and he signed for $100,000. You got Fromber Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, some of these guys for ten to $30,000, just to get them to come over here and play baseball, and then they develop them. But I think what the Astros have done is kind of have this great organizational. Every organization, I think, is looking for an identity, and the Astros have the identity of we are going to put together some of the toughest at-bats as far as an offense is concerned. We're not going to expand our zone. We're going to teach these kids that if you go outside the zone, you're not going to be successful, so why swing at it? They stay in the zone, and when that pitch is in the zone, They've developed swings and bat pass or whatever you want to call it to be able to get the barrel to the baseball and create damage. Yep. And then you have pitchers. They talk. They emphasize spin. They act, emphasize max velocity. They are doing some of the fine-tuning in the minor leagues to make sure that these guys are ready when they get to the big leagues. And I think another thing with the Astros is they've developed a winning culture, and a lot of these coaches that are in the big leagues now for the Astros have moved along with some of these guys that are there now and kind of created that culture at a young age saying, we want you to do well and be successful as an individual. But if you play well as a team, that individual success is going to be just a byproduct of going out there and winning. And I think that's what they've been able to, to develop is get guys up here that know how to win. And, of course, you guys have seen the game change in a sense of athleticism. The, the Astros do a very good job of identif identifying athletes and turning them into ballplayers. That's awesome. Great man. answer. Great Woods, answer. I was going to ask you if you had any other questions you wanted me to ask Jeff Blum, but unfortunately we're out of time. So, Jeff, thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Blummer. No, no, anytime. You guys are great. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 